feel connected, and that's the purpose. That's not really the purpose of discipleship. It's about more than being busy. And that's important because one of the things over the past year is we've had a lot of opportunities to listen to our members and other things. They tell us we want to get more connected to one another. We want to get uh, more involved in service and ministry and outreach. We want to get more uh, in, you know, doing the things of ministry, but we want the church to use less of our time to do it. We want to protect some of the boundaries that we've developed and the habits and the rhythms of life that we've developed over the last two years. We're tired right now. It's hard to get out and do more. And so we've got to be effective in our discipleship and our activity. It's not just about getting busy. So when I say the church needs to do things, I don't want you to hear that I want to have five, six, seven hours of your week. But what I do think you need to know is that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ... You can't do nothing and expect to get returns on your investment. That Jesus expects you to do stuff. You can do it at home. You can do it in your car. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your friends. You can do it at work. You can do it when you're at church and after church. But you do have to do something. You can't do nothing and call yourself a disciple. Because a disciple is someone who is a follower, who walks in Jesus' footsteps to the cross, and does the things he would do on the way there. That's what it means to be a disciple. There's a guy named Mark Scandrett who really has kind of built an entire model of ministry, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, that's built around this idea that Christianity needs to be more like a dojo or a dance studio than a college lecture hall. That, That real discipleship happens in the doing of it and the practicing of it. And that if you just study basketball, you may know a lot about it, but you're probably a terrible basketball player unless you get out and bounce a ball. That there is something about the activity of practicing the Jesus way of life that grows our faith and grows our Christ-likeness. Mark Scandrett writes that in recent years, increasing numbers of people have mentally checked out or physically left the Christian groups they've been a part of because they felt that these contexts are not actually helping them believe, belong, or live better. You go to church and study this stuff all the time, and if you're not doing it, it doesn't impact your life. It doesn't change your family. It doesn't change how you behave ethically in the workplace. But what does is if you actually become a disciple of Jesus and start practicing the Jesus way of living life. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where he's covered uh, some of the most incredible Bible, some of the most incredible biblical truths recorded come across in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And how he ends this sermon is what was read earlier. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So often we get this idea that it's whoever hears these words of mine and believes them. Whoever hears these words of mine and studies them and memorizes them, whoever hears these words of mine and writes them on their heart will be a great disciple and their faith can weather all the storms. But it's not what he says. It's not what he says. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them, does them, has built his house on the rock. 
So when the rain comes down and the streams rise and the wind blows and it beats against the house, it does not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Is the rock belief in Jesus? No. The rock that we build our house on is the habits and the practices and the actions of putting Jesus' teachings into, into, into effect in our lives. That when we do that, the little things that we do that are Jesus-like every day, the storms come, and as a result of our having been a disciple of Jesus in our actions, the storms don't shake our faith built in habits, built in practices. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You can hear these words and you can hear them and hear them and hear them and study them and study them and study them and go to every conference and seminar and pray every prayer and read every book on the teachings of Jesus. And if you don't put it into practice, your house should have a warning sign on it that says, warning. In case of storms, this house is likely to collapse because you're not doing it. It's the activity of the discipleship, not the thinking of it, not the right-mindedness. You cannot perfect your thinking into having a strong enough house if you're not doing the stuff of obedience, of activity, of discipleship. And it's important that we remember that this isn't talking about how to get saved. Okay, we're not, this disclaimer has to be part of this lesson. I'm not talking about you are saved by your works and not by faith and grace. Because your works, you cannot be active enough, disciple enough, good enough to earn your way into salvation. You can't. But as a result of your being saved by faith and grace and the gift of Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and resurrection, should that prompt you then to live a life that's active and filled with good works as a result of your salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Salvation should prompt action, not action prompting salvation. Our works are a result of what Jesus did on the cross and our response to trying to live that way. We become shaped and transformed by being his followers and doing the things that he would do. So we need to rediscover this sense of urgency to do Jesus things and put these things into actual practice in our lives, to actually begin doing the stuff of Jesus. Uh, on one occasion, there was a, a young man that came up to Jesus while he was uh, along, going along the way. And as Jesus started on his way, this is in Mark 10, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. We tend to think that he's actually being very arrogant in this statement. Because we read the Sermon on the Mount earlier where it says if you've even called uh, your brother a fool, you're guilty of murder uh, in your heart. And we, we take those things and we think about them in a Jesus way. But if you actually look at what Jesus is saying here, don't commit murder. Um, any murderers in the last week in the room will take your confession now? No. 
anyone committed adultery, I won't ask you to raise your hand. If you've stolen or shoplifted, we're not going to have a confessional for that at the moment. See me later. Uh, give false testimony, presumably in court. You shall not defraud. Uh, any con artists this week in the room? No, someone probably just elbowed their spouse. I don't know who, but I was looking for it. I didn't see it. I thought it would happen. Uh, when you go through this list, it's mostly felonies. And most people don't commit felonies on a, on a daily and regular basis. And, and there's the honor of your father and mother. And, and we think about that in a very micro scale. Uh, like, don't ever get mad at your parents and tell them they're dumb. Uh, in the ancient world, they think of it in the macro scale. Do your actions bring honor to your family in a way that restores and preserves their legacy going forward? And then when they get older, do you take care of them financially? A lot of it has to do with retirement um, and, and living in a way that, that maintains family honor. And this guy's a rich young ruler, and he's thinking, yes, I've done all of these. And I think he's being genuine when he says that. I think he's actually looking at his life and saying, Jesus, man, I study the Bible all the time. And for him, it would have been the Torah. I study the Torah all the time, and I study the, the commandments all the time, and I study what God wants me to do all the time. In fact, I came here today to just talk to you about it some more. I love talking about religion. I love being the kind of good person I'm supposed to be. I stay away from all the things I'm not supposed to do. All of these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He says, one thing, you, one thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. This the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. For today's lesson, I don't want you to get hung up on the money thing. I, that's, there's another really good sermon there, but that's not the one I'm preaching today. You can be poor and have nothing and have the problem this guy had. Because this guy's problem, uh, it, while it is wealth and the fact that he wants his money more than he wants to be a follower of Jesus, the thing that, that's really important for today's lesson is this, is that he was happy to talk about religion. He was happy to study it till the end of time. He was so excited to go to this rabbi and good teacher and, and say, help me understand the greatest teachings. He runs to Jesus to have this conversation and he falls to his knees. This is the most important thing he's done all week and he knows it. He just wants to ask this rabbi, give me the teaching of how to inherit eternal life. It's the big question and he wants to talk about it. And Jesus' answer is, yeah, you've done a good job of following all the rules and studying all the texts and having all the conversations, but have you really loved people the way I love people? Because if you put people first, if you lead with compassion and love and service, if you don't worry about your, uh, the amount that you have, but realize that what you have could be someone else's, there are hungry people in the world that have all the food they need. It's just sitting in our pantries. Jesus says, listen, why are you not living the way I would live and being active in the way that I would be active and doing the things I would do? And the man says, I'm happy to study about it, happy to pray about it, happy to talk about it. But if you want me to actually put my faith in action, I'm going home. It's too much. We've got to be disciples who are willing to do the Jesus stuff. 
It's not enough to study. We have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do in this moment? And then we move into action. You can't claim to be a real follower of Jesus on the road to the cross if you aren't doing the things Jesus did and loving the way Jesus loved. Dallas Willard, who's largely and widely considered one of the great spiritual philosophers of Christianity over the past century, uh, often said this. He said, to experience the kingdom of God, a group of people should get together and simply try to do the things that Jesus instructed his disciples to do. That's it. You want to experience Jesus? It's not about having the ultimate worship experience. You want to experience Jesus? You don't have to be on a mountaintop having time to pray, pray and reflect. You want to experience Jesus? You don't have to go into the mission field. If you want to experience the kingdom of God, a group of people should get together and simply try to do the things that Jesus instructed his disciples to do. Isn't that something? And what's incredible is how much we've geared Christianity to not doing that and to being different in how we approach things and coming up with all kinds of different ways of doing Sunday mornings that don't involve people getting together and saying, as a group of people, what would we be doing if we tried to do Jesus' stuff? So this year, here's what we're challenging Northwest to do. Here's the action. Here's the, 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 the moment that I'm hoping that you will rise to uh, this challenge is that on fourth Sundays in the year 2022, we're going to challenge you to block that day out for at least several hours after church to do Jesus things with other people from Northwest. What does Jesus things look like? We want connection to happen. We want you guys, and, and sometimes we're going to have ministry opportunities that we'll come up with in the office, and we'll invite you to do those. But really what we want is for God to put things on your hearts and gifts that you've been given, spiritual gifts that you've been given, that you'll invite other brothers and sisters to join in with you and do things. That you'll come up with ideas and opportunities and spaces and projects and then we'll get together as a group of Christians and say, if we were going to get together and do what Jesus tells us to do, what might that look like? And then we'll do an experiment. Experiments in faith. And we'll try them. And some of them will succeed and some of them will fail and those will both be great. But we've got to do it. Come up with an idea that helps you to connect with God. Some of the ideas that we're hoping come out of this involve worship and prayer and spiritual formation and, and doing things, but finding ways to do it that aren't just studying about it, doing it. Don't study prayer, pray prayers. What's it look like? We're not going to study worship, but maybe we come together and worship God with new songs and in new ways. What do we need to do to connect with God? And then we're going to find projects and experiments to do that. How do we connect with each other? One of the things that has been devastating over the last two years is how much we have disconnected from each other's lives. We listened so much last year and asked you, what are the things that, that you want? And you feel disconnected after COVID and the pandemic and all the different stuff that happened. And, and you're saying, listen, I want to be better at getting reconnected with my brothers and sisters in Christ at Northwest. We've asked and listened, and one of the things that we heard is that I love that our church is diverse, but I'm not really good at getting to know people that aren't like me in a deep and meaningful way. We want to get better at that. 
We need opportunities to get to know each other better and deeper and that we connect with one another going forward. And that doesn't have to be profound. It can be bunko. You can get to know people better rolling dice and counting the dots. I don't actually know how to play bunko, but I think that's the basic gist of it. It can be frisbee golf with someone that's 10 years older or younger than you. Guess what? That's connecting with each other in a way that helps build relationships. We don't have to go reinvent the wheel with complex stuff, but we got to show up and build some good habits at reconnecting with each other. Asking deep questions and meaningful questions that bring us into more meaningful, deeper relationships. Being vulnerable with one another. We need that connection. We need opportunities to connect with the world. We challenged Northwest to do this 15 or 20 years ago, and one of the things that came out of that was a one-time ministry thing where we would serve pants and pancakes to the community. And then it became quarterly and monthly. We did it for 10 or 15 years, uh, over and over again, opening our building, our kitchen, our our clothing closet to anyone that could benefit and be blessed by it and building relationships with them. Well, that ministry was incredible, but we don't need the next version of Pants and Pancakes. We need a new bridge that goes into the world and that we walk across it out there to serve and connect with people and allow them to walk back across it to experience God. We need bridges. We need bridges to God, bridges to one another, bridges to the world. And it's all going to happen if we're willing to stop studying things, thinking about things, desiring things, and take an actual step out and do something. So Fourth Sundays is is our attempt to do that. Now, you may decide you want to do it differently, and that's fine. Do it differently, but don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Because if you hear these good teachings of Jesus that come from Scripture, and you don't put them in practice in your life, storms are coming, and you won't be ready. So we've got to find ways to do this. We're going to keep talking about this uh, next week. And next week, we're going to get into a little bit more nuts and bolts. If the question you're asking is, I've got something I want to do, but I don't know how to actually get started. Or I've got a a prompting that God's put on my heart, but I don't know how to take it from prompting to plan to to process. We're going to do a little bit of that next week in, in kind of biblically informed ways, talking about how does something go from an idea to a real blessing that's transforming myself or someone else. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but one of the things you need to know is we're going to have Glade. Every fourth Sunday, uh, we've got people that are going to Glade uh, Assisted Living Center, and they're, we're leading worship there, and we're spending time with people there. And there's lots of opportunities to build relationships with them and, and to let them build relationships with us and strengthen their relationship with God as a result of what we're doing. Today, we've got to focus on home move-in. Uh, now, these are two that are kind of limited in how many we can't take 150 of us to Glade. It would be interesting, um, but we can't do it. We don't fit. Uh, We can't take 150 of us to a focus on home move-in unless you just want 100 people being the cheer squad out at the street. Woo, good job, move it in. Uh, That's not really helpful. I don't think. Would that be helpful, Leah? No, not helpful. Um, So we've got to come up with other ideas that involve many of us, that involve opportunities for everyone to get involved. But here's what I want you to do uh, right now. One, be praying about how you can actually start doing Jesus things with other Christians in your life. Two, start talking to other Christians about what you guys feel called to do in your groups and in your life. And if you're not in a small group, that's okay. Do you know what you need to have a small group of Christians? One other person. Find them. 
Go to coffee, eat lunch, and ask them, what do you feel called to do for Jesus this year? And then start coming up with a plan. Start coming up with an experiment. Run it for a period of time, evaluate it, see what you learned, and then either do something else, do it better, or change. Do something else. But don't do nothing. Pray about it. Start talking to other Christians about what you want to do. And the third one. I forgot the third one. Here's what the third one is. Get out your phones. Pretend you didn't already have them out. Close whatever app you're in. Get out your phones. This is the third thing. Open your calendars on your phone. Go to the fourth Sunday. Today's the fourth Sunday. You can create it on today, and then you probably won't do it, use anything on it today. So on the fourth Sunday, set up an event and called it Bridges Ministry. This is going to be the day where you connect with God, connect with one another, or connect with the world. So fourth Sunday, Bridges Ministry. Hit the button that says Recurring Event. Fourth Sunday of every month. All-day event. Save that date as a day that you commit to being a part of the ministries that we're going to be doing at Northwest to help us to actually do the Jesus stuff so that we can be ready when storms come. So that the world right now who is out there who's not ready for the storms because they don't have a relationship with Jesus, let's go meet them and invite them to join us in building a foundation on the teachings of Jesus that survives the storms in life. Because if there's anything we've learned in the past couple years, it's that storms are here and storms are coming and we need to be living in Jesus' ways if we're going to be Jesus' people. That's what faith is going to look like. It's going to be people that are practicing the teachings of Jesus in their homes and in their cars, in their workplaces, in their church, and in their community. Next week, we're going to talk more about how to do it, how to actually get in uh, the process of doing it, and how we'll do it as a church family, and how you can do it as individuals, and how you can do it as families, how you can do it as small groups. We gave you some ideas and some practical steps, and then we're going to get active and we're going to get busy, and none of you are too young, and none of you are too poor, and none of you are too rich, and none of you are too old to take a step to do something that Jesus wants you to do. If you're just willing to prayerfully, in community, lovingly ask, what is Jesus? Are you excited? Or are you cold? Wade's over here. He's getting excited. He's getting excited. I'm cold too. All right. This morning, if you need to respond, Jesus died on the cross and he got out of the grave and he did it so that he could make a new covenant with us and we could become his covenant people doing his work in the world. That's what we're inviting you to do this year. But the response is that you become his covenant people doing his work. His spirit comes in you and it gives you gifts and abilities and things you can do and it gives you promptings that you should respond to. And all of that's there because you're an adopted child of God. And if you've never responded to that invitation to become a child of God, then today's a great day to do it. And if you have, and you've got that Spirit of God dwelling inside you, and you're not doing anything with it, it's time to listen to the Spirit and let it do its work. Pick up the anchors and put up your sails and let God move you to where you need to go. If you need to respond this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing.